this episode of Getting to Better Together, our podcast mini-series sponsored by the Centre for International Development, Social Entrepreneurship and Leadership, CIDSOL, as we call ourselves. This is the University of the Sunshine Coast and supported by Noosa FM Radio 101.3. Before proceeding, I wish to acknowledge the traditional custodians of this land, the Gubby Gubby people, and pay my respect to their elders, past, present and emerging. On March the 8th, we celebrate the International Women's Day in Australia, IWD as it's known, although it would be more accurate to state that that celebration is somewhat conditional, for there remain issues that we need to still address in this country with respect to reaching gender parity. Furthermore, with respect to our global responsibilities as citizens of the world, we also need to contribute to the acceleration of the quest for women's equality across the entire world. There are still far too many situations which are not cause for celebration in this regard, far too many circumstances where women are far from equal in the scheme of things, and this in spite of the fact that International Women's Day is marked worldwide in March every year, as it has been since it started way back in 1911, and soon after that the date March the 8th was fixed as International Women's Day. It is to celebrate women's achievements, it's to educate and raise awareness for women's equality, it's to call for positive change for women's equality, it's to lobby for accelerated gender parity, and to fundraise for female-focused charities. Here at Sitzel we take this global responsibility very seriously, for our central function is indeed international development, the ongoing search for inclusive betterment within a global context. And in all of our international work, we explicitly embrace equity, which happens to be the specific theme for International Women's Day 2023 this year. We ensure that we include activities that highlight what are referred to as GEDSI matters, G-E-D-S-I, gender equity, disability, and social inclusion, and how they can and should be incorporated in any development project or program that we do. This indeed we accept as among our moral duties. My guest this morning, Tammy Harriet, assumes special responsibilities for GEDSI issues and has a deep commitment to the principles and practices. The fact that she is also General Manager of SIDSOR further emphasises the importance of these dimensions to our work. Good morning, Tammy, and welcome. Thank you, Richard. Let me start by asking what you actually do to ensure the incorporation of GEDSI matters into the work of the Centre with international delegates in our courses, for instance, in our development projects overseas? I think the most important aspect that I bring to the table is being able to shape the lens from which people see the activities that we do. So by that I mean, if you look at it from the perspective of just GEDSI, we talk about the theory or the concepts of what it means to have gender equality. But for me, it's observing the way we behave, the way we work, the things that we do, and really having a deep dive into those activities. Where are women represented? Are they represented in the right manner? Are the right women represented? So it goes beyond just the activities of including women, but ensuring that women are fully participating in the society in which we live. And that, for me, is the only way to get to a better place. So in the work we do, we do that from the get-go, do we? From the very beginning. It's right. at every aspect. 
you know, an example of something that happened recently is we were all in a ceremony together and I noticed that without intention, so it's unintentional, male colleagues were speaking. And I could see from the background that we were not representing the, the belief system that we have. Mm -hmm. And so I interjected. I went in and I made sure that we acknowledge that even at times when we get it wrong and we corrected it. So I think it's having the lens of being able to see that in all things. Right. And then having the responsibility to involve, uh, to engage in conversation, to, to raise that issue. Right? To raise the issue. But I think it's important to acknowledge it. Sure. If we go about just doing the activities, hmm. we're not acknowledging when we don't get it right. right. And I think that becomes this idea of it's orchestrated or it's curated in a certain way. I think for us to get to that better place is to acknowledge it when it doesn't happen. Right. That is as important as getting it right. There are some cultural sens sensitivities about all this, aren't there? I mean, that some cultures, quite clearly, women are in, in group situations, for instance, silent. Yeah. Inclusivity is nuanced. <laughs> it's nuanced. It's right. very nuanced. Right. But acknowledging the nuances mm -hmm. gets us to at least move from that place of being totally silent right. and acknowledging that in order to get to another place, that silence represents something. So let's understand that the silence represents something. Is there a risk if we intervene in those situations, no matter how subtly, uh, that that could be regarded as a sort of cultural attack? It is not our job to define culture. No. It is our job to understand the nuances in the culture, mm. but importantly, to get everyone to understand the consequences of the actions that we take. Right. So if women remain silent and they're not participating, what does that do to our development? Mm. And if there are choices that we make, both for men and women, right. if we're happy with those choices, then we continue the way we are. Right. If we're not happy, then we have to progress and evolve in our culture so that we can get to a better place. Going, uh, speaking personally for a moment, can you trace back in, in your lifetime the moment when you became particularly sensitive? So interestingly enough, it came from my dad. Uh, okay. <laughs> right. So I became a feminist not because of my mother. Mm -hmm. I became sensitive not because of my mother. I became sensitive because of my father. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget the words that he said. Okay. He said, Tammy, why would you marry a doctor when you can become one? But what was loaded in that conversation was all things were possible. Right. But I had to understand that, right. and it was my choice to make. And he gave me permission in that statement to mm. define who I wanted to be as a human being. Mm. My mother was an entrepreneur. She had all the examples and all the representations that I needed to follow. But it's the subtle words to my father that made the biggest difference. Can you recall what age that was? I was about eight years old. Eight? <laughs> yes. Good Lord. I came oh. from a family that we discussed these issues. Yes, and they weren't silent about yeah, them. Yeah. But yeah, I was about eight years old. Mm -hmm. And it has been the single most impactful influence in my life. Clearly has been. Yes, you remember it so yeah, well. I remember it so well. Mm. And, and I from that day, I could see things differently. Right. Um, so I would observe the cultural norms and the cultural practices. And I always question them. So the thing that he, he he instilled in me is that intellectual curiosity about the things that we say versus the things that we do. Mm, mm. And siblings, they feel the same way? Not necessarily. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they heard something different. Right, right. <laughs> what I heard in his statement was permission. Right. Right. Um, permission, not that he was granting me, but I needed to grant myself. Mm, mm. And he just made me aware of it. 
I have siblings who have heard very different things, and, mm. and they don't necessarily follow that inclusive nature that mm. my dad instilled in me, but he was also representative of that. Right. He lived his life. He never put limitations on anyone, mm. and I think that it's that lived experience combined with those words mm. that have been so meaningful for me. Mm. The, the word feminism or the concept itself has, has had a sort of checkered history. I guess. Uh, are you happy using the word and are you comfortable in being regarded as a feminist? I was born a feminist. Very oh. comfortable. <laughs> you have to be comfortable in your own skin. Yes, we right. can't shy away from who we are. Mm. And each of us will express that differently. So the discomfort that people feel as the expression of the who has a megaphone, right? Who speaks the loudest. Mm. But we can't get sidetracked by the, the megaphone. Right, the movement still has to happen. Right. And I'm happy with that. I've always, when everyone shied away from the word feminist, I've been a feminist because it's, it's a word of power. Mm. And it is mm. a word of inclusivity mm. because you're fighting for equality. And why wouldn't you? What's mm. wrong with that? Mm. So mm. The, we've got to you know, leave the distractions behind because sometimes the distractions overtakes, right? Yeah. And the message gets lost. There's a very powerful distinction then between saying I am female and I am a feminist. Yeah. Well, I think men should be feminist. I don't think it's yeah, a female right. role. I think that's mm. the problem is mm. that when we start labeling, we start limiting. Mm. And we need to make those labels broad. Mm. We need to make them more inclusive. Right. So my father was a feminist because right. only a feminist could have the courage to say what he did when he did. Right. Yeah. So he clearly thought profoundly about it. He did. Mm. He did. And lived it. And, and he gave his, his daughters and his sons the opportunity mm. to embrace those very mm. words. Mm. There must have been times in your life when that's been challenged to you by whomsoever, non-feminists, I guess. Yeah. Are there people who say to you, well, that's a sort of silly position to hold? Um, there have been many cha challenges, um, both from men and women. Interestingly enough, when I first moved to Brisbane, my friends would say, I, I can't be known by the F word, the word of a feminist. And I said, well, you know, that's a choice that we make. Mm. I'm proud to wear mine. Mm. I think I'm ambassadorial when I do mm. that. Mm. But I also think when you have those labels, there are responsibilities that come with that. Privilege, right. entitlement all comes with responsibilities. Right. So you can take it to mean something that is about a power grab, or you can take it to mean something that is about responsibility. And we have a stewardship. So I take those things very seriously. Um, I'm not challenged by it because it's, it's me. Mm. It's who I am. Mm. <laughs> so I embrace it and mm. I make it the best of me. Well, those five features that I, that I mentioned earlier, the celebration, education, call for positive change, lobbying and, and fundraising, which of those do you believe that you most clearly manifest? Hmm. Um, I struggle with all of those in the same way in that we have to be careful that those don't become distractions. Good. Okay. Yeah. So it's very meaningful to celebrate, but what are we celebrating? Mm -hmm. Right. It's meaningful to fundraise, but who do we provide access to? So beyond the things that we do, we have to think about, you know, 
are we getting distracted by the activity and are those activities really leading to real change? Mm. So for me, it's to present the lens of inclusivity. When we look at something, we should be able to determine, are we on the right track or not? Mm. And if we can't do that, we need to step back and figure out how to do that. So the issue of, of critical reflection uh, not just thinking about things, but thinking about them critically becomes critical. It ha it's important. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it has to be embodied. It has to be the core. It has to be the fundamentals right. when you think of inclusivity. Otherwise, you will put all the processes in place. You'll put mm. all the activities mm. in place, and you won't lead to that result. Because if you're not able to look at it and determine whether or not you're on the right track, then you have no ability to change course or to pivot. Oh. It is to me absolutely extraordinary in, in these days that women in Australia alone still suffer huge disadvantages in in pay alone. The fact that women receive whatever it is, 10% yeah. or more, less. less. But wh why did that happen in the first place? Well, I can, I can tell you what I think happens. Okay. Yes. <laughs> and I, I don't think, so if I look at pay alone, I often think it's not as nefarious as it may appear. It's okay. behaviour. Right. I think as women, we behave a certain way for the most part, mm -hmm. and those behaviors are not part of the game of success in the, right. in the society in which we live. Right. So women are tend to look at embrace work for different reasons than men. I mean, it's part of men's identity. The, the extent to which it's part of women's identity, I'm not so sure. I think it's lesser of identity because we have identity in family and in caring and in community in a different way than men mm. would. Mm. So if you're negotiating from a point of passion or you're negotiating from a point of finance, you get two different outcomes, yes. right? Yeah. So it's not nefarious. It's that mm. when you're in the negotiation, it depends. Like I'm passionate. I'm always going to be paid less than most guys who do what I do. Mm. Right. But I accept that because for me, that's not the end goal. No. Right. Money right. is not, not that important no. to me. Right. So that I, I, I understand how that disparity happens. I don't like it, but I don't know there's a way that you can fix it no. because people like me don't care that much about money. No, that's an interesting point. Isn't you it? know, mm. what I care about is access right. and opportunity. Mm. So for access, I'm willing to give something. Mm. It was interesting, the, the, um, the Indian economist, Amartya Sen, talks about in terms of equality and equity, in terms of saying, well, capability is really the most important function. It's all very well to be able to say, yes, uh, I have uh, an equal position seemingly, but if I don't actually have the capability to exploit the opportunities that are presented, it's not equity, is it? It, it isn't. It isn't. So it's a complex issue, isn't mm. it? Very. It's a complex issue. Mm. And if you play the numbers game, and if you always have to put something in place, you don't give it its natural order to figure itself out. Right. I think the more permission you give, like my dad did, the permission he gave to me to dis determine my own destiny, I think that was important. Mm. That was an important part. Mm. I can make the choices, but I also live by those consequences. Mm. So when I make a choice to take a position that is paying less than I know that my commercial worth is, mm. I'm making a choice. But if it gives me, you know, the passion to do it and it gives me reasons to get up in the morning and I love what I do and I embrace it, 
is that not more equitable mm-hmm. than taking more money? Mm-hmm. You know, so we have to think about those choices and those consequences, right. and we need to give ourselves permission. I think on the other side of it, we need to give men the permission to do that as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because gender equality comes with both sides of the scale, sure. right? Yeah. It's a balancing act. Mm-hmm. So do we give both men and women the the freedom to make those choices and and they come with equal consequences. Mm-hmm. So the consequences are not different for men than they are for women. Right. When we talk of consequences, uh, my mind automatically springs to the notion of morality. In the, uh, you know, one of the definitions, of course, of morality is that every human activity has moral consequences, yeah. uh, has moral significance. And so in, in, at base, the, the perspective that you're, you're talking of is essentially a moral issue. They are. D- are we going to recognize that? Um, I, hope, being the popular I, I hope we do. I hope we do. Because mm-hmm. if we don't, where to from here, right? right. Yeah, I, 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 I hope we do. The, the moral consequences are things that we should be reflecting on, critically reflecting on at every juncture, right? Mm. It should happen in all of the discourse that we have, but it should happen in all of our every day in our lives, right? We need to think about mm. those consequences. Mm. And I've come to the point in my life where I think I do that better than most mm. i think i do that with more ease because i'm comfortable with that right um and you know i was having a conversation with on this d- recent delegation that we have and he talked about we talk from a position of privilege and yes we do but it doesn't free us from the responsibility no right no. so we should stop not we should stop using those words mm. as though they don't come with responsibility mm. privilege has responsibility Absolutely. You are fortunate to be where you are yep. off the back of someone else. Mm. So you too need to provide the support to others. Right. And that takes, it's through critical reflection that we mm-hmm. can say, well, what are those responsibilities? Yes. And that's part of the consequence that we mm. face. Mm. You've, uh, you've traveled the world. Tried. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have traveled it. Whether you've learned or not, I guess, is <laughs> well, you clearly have. Uh, and in terms of, of your early travels, what do you think was the most shocking in terms of everything you've been talking about, where clearly there was a total lack of responsibility, a total lack of critical reflection of gender inequality? It, it's a, that's a very difficult question because I think all of those um, experiences that I've had, I have to contextualize. Yes. And I will tell you that it's not what I've seen through my travels that's offended me most. It's when I come back. Oh, okay. <laughs> so what it does is it opens your eyes to what's in your own backyard. Yeah. So as a comparative, every time I travel, it heightens my awareness of the things that we take for granted or the things that we claim we do well, but we don't. Mm. So it's a very complex issue for me because Mm -hmm. I don't think that in any of the places that I've gone I've been able to um, not contextualize enough to say I understand why that happens but then I come back and I think about the way we live our lives very differently I once mentioned to someone that the blokeyism of that blokey culture that we live in in Australia was no different to me than what I'd experienced when I was in 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 North Africa and they were shocked and I said it's the same behavior mm, mm. the magnitude might be different mm. right but it's the same behavior and it depends on how you think about it 
So for me, it's the same behavior. Right. One just looks shocking because it's on the outside, mm. and we don't understand it well enough so we can judge. And we're so used to this one that sometimes we turn a blind mm. eye to mm. it. But it's the same behavior. Yeah. I mean, that really is the issue of critical reflection, isn't it? So it's critical reflection on, on other things that enable you to see your own world differently in terms of worldview. Yeah. But it's important because yes, that's very. that's heightened self-awareness, isn't it? Yes. It's when you can come back and say it. We can be critical of others, but the thing that we control is ourselves. Mm. And for me, that's the most important aspect of this mm. is what do I learn from that? The direction that's going in mm. and how does that shape who I am mm. and how does it influence what I do with others? Mm. The relationships I build and how I, I, you know, the discourse I have around these things. Right. So it is easy to be critical of others, but I think you have to look, you know, inward first. Mm. Mm. You know, are we on the right track? And those are the things we control. Mm. We control what we do every day. Right. Yes, they come with consequences, but you still control it. Mm. I mean, I'm, I'm privileged in the sense that uh, I had two sisters and I was sandwiched between the two of them, as it were, <laughs> uh, and uh, a very understanding mother, I have to say. Uh, and then uh, of my four children, three of them were daughters. Uh, and I had a wife um, who was uh, a feminist. Yeah. And all the relatives who were also feminists. And so, in a sense, I guess, I have at least feminist sympathies, empathies. Uh, if not, I could label myself a feminist as yeah. so. I mean, I certainly have um, predispositions to doing precisely what I've seen you do yeah. in the groups that we have here. Uh, and yesterday was a prime example uh, of you sitting down at a table where there were mainly women. Yeah. And um, I noticed the huge difference in their level of engagement before you sat down and then once you sat down. Uh, and I, I, I thought that was terrific. I don't think I could have done that even though I was very aware yeah. that it was a group mainly of women, I don't think I have, to go back to saying, I don't think I have the capacity or the capability to really be able to do what it is you did. And therefore the question arises, is it really only women that can provide this sort of liberation? Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm get, So I can do that because of my father, right? And right. my father yeah. was that person as well. Yes. And what he's given me is permission to be vulnerable. Right. So being able to sit among any the crowd in any space is about the willingness to be vulnerable. Mm. Mm. But that, I learned that from my dad, not my mother. Right. right. And I learned that that is part of my humanity. Yeah. That's that right? the thing I embraced most. Yeah. Is it's part of a humanity. We're all people on the planet together. Right. Yep. I everyone's welcome around the table. And I think that the way that we have approached equality is equal for some, but not for all. Right. So I think that the track we're on is not a very inclusive thing. Because if it's inclusive, you have to be vulnerable. Mm. Mm. You have to be willing to be wrong to get it right. Correct. You have to be able yes. to look on the outside to see what's inward. And those are all things that matters. So I know it's hard. I think it's more difficult for some men to to have that place and I get it but I think until you allow yourself to be vulnerable and is it the cultural expectation that you have to be in a different place that causes that discomfort Mm. whereas I have that cultural permission Mm. Mm. and maybe it becomes easier for me as a woman to do that but Mm. I know women who struggle with that as well Mm. 
Mm-hmm. There's a class issue. There's a you know education issue. There's a cultural issue. Yeah. I, I see myself as trans all of those things, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's, I'm very fortunate. <laughs> I was born in a body that allows me to do that. Um, but I but I've also embraced it, and so that you know it's if I want to be a citizen of this world, I must be vulnerable, and I must come to the table as equal, yeah. regardless of whom I'm with. Yeah. Is there, as a final comment, is, is there a danger that when we talk about celebrating women's achievements, is there a danger that that really does provide the overall focus, unfortunately? In other words, we really do say, gosh, it's terrific, isn't it? We've yeah. achieved so much. And then not said all the things you've been saying in terms of consciousness of, of a situation where there are still not cause for celebration. Yeah. So I am a silent cynic, if <laughs> you know me personally. <laughs> I'm very cynical about these things because I think that we're celebrating before the end zone, right? I'm using a football metaphor here. But before the end zone, we're not there yet. Right. But I understand you have to have these micro celebrations along the way. Right. But they should not replace the celebration. Mm. Uh, and I think that we're distracted by the micro celebrations. Mm. And we're mm. we're not at the end zone. We're at, we're at the oh gosh, I it, I could say we're at the forty yard line, not even right. the fifty yard line, right. right? In our own territory, and we've got a long way to go. So the celebrations cannot become the distractions. No. If they become the distractions, we think we're already there, and we take you know you you you, you, you have a different play, mm-hmm. and your play becomes something that's mm. you're going to have to end up you know, passing the ball to s- into a territory that you're unfamiliar. So I, I'm distra- I don't like the distraction. I personally don't like the distraction of the celebration, but I understand the necessity of those micro transactions, right? Mm-hmm. The, the micro celebrations about the achievements to acknowledge that women have made a contribution into, in society. But who doesn't know that by now? Mm-hmm. Who on this planet does not acknowledge mm-hmm. that? So how do we move from the micro transactions to right. something more meaningful? Right. But you know, we're different people. So for me, the micro thing, the micro transactions are not as but for some, mm. you know, it's a thing that they hold on to. Mm. I don't believe I can replicate someone's life. I've got to pick my own journey. Sure. Um, so those things stand as a symbol, but so do the words to my dad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he, he already told me what I knew, right. so I don't need it. <laughs> Well, let me presume to um, micro-celebrate this particular conversation, Tammy. It's been delightful, as I knew it would be. Thank you so much for spending time. And thank you all for listening. And I look forward to the next time we meet. And Richard, thanks for the opportunity. Thank you and goodbye.